That's uh, maybe a testament to the way that the God's work, that God is working through you, Christy, and Mandy, that you, uh, that might have been the, the most sustained clapping that we've ever had in a worship <laughs> service at Hope. That was awesome. Thank you very much. Right, uh, we're nearing the end of our fall focus where we've been looking at how God calls us to be a glimpse of heaven for everyone around us, that everyone around us as we interact with them would look at us, would look at our lives would, as they interact with us, and they would, they would see God. They would see his power. They would see his grace and his love for them, and they would experience his presence, that we would be a glimpse of heaven. And we, we started off looking at how the way that God wants to make us into a glimpse of heaven is, is as we interact with him on a daily basis, as we respond to the real living God in our lives, as we own our sin and we show people that we are people who are sinners who have been forgiven, as we own our weakness and people see the power of God in the midst of our weakness. And last week we looked at how God wants us to uh, to be a glimpse of heaven for people as we love one another, that, that as we interact with one another, that our love would be genuine, that it would be real. This morning we're going to look at how um, we would be, that how God calls us to be people who take real risks in our lives, that our lives would be characterized by what the world, as they look on at us, would look like real serious risk to them. But for us, it's really a matter of faith and trusting God. And we're going to do that by looking at the call of Abram, Abraham or Abram in Genesis 12. And if you're not familiar with the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, Genesis starts off, it's the very first book of the Bible. And it begins with, with God creating everything out of nothing. And the, the, the culmination of his creation is man and woman. It's people. As he makes people in his image to reflect him and to rule over all of his creation and to show his glory and to multiply and to bless the world. And uh, the problem is that, that people fail and they turn away from him and they fail to trust him and they fail to listen to him and believe him. And things because of that, they begin to spiral downward and get progressively worse and worse and God continues to judge people for their rebellion and their sin and, and yet he continues to be faithful to his creation throughout it all until in Genesis 11, uh, many of you guys know the story of the Tower of Babel when, when people get together and they, they try to make a name for themselves. They put themselves at the center, they try to make this huge tower and then God judges them. He, he destroys the tower, he scatters people across the world but he's not done. He's not done with creation, he's not done with people and what he does is he zeroes in on one man and his family and he says, this is how I'm gonna rescue the world. And this is what he says to Abram when he appears to him or when he speaks to him in Genesis 12. Listen to God's word as I read Genesis 12, 1 to 5. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, 
and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would open our minds to understand what you want us to understand here, that you would open our ears to hear what you want to say, that you would open our hearts to receive what you want to show us. Father, we pray that your spirit would work in us and that as we look at your word, that you would change us and make us the people that you created us to be. We thank you for this opportunity to listen to you. Help us to listen. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, kids are often doing things that seem insanely risky to us adults. Have you ever noticed that? I remember on Facebook uh, a a couple of years ago, I think I saw some guy post a video of his little toddler son. You can put the picture up there, Joanne. But this, they, basically, the, the, they had trouble with this child, I guess, wanting to leave his room, so they put two baby gates, one on top of the other, in the door so that he wouldn't get out, and yet that did not stop him. He, he like, climbed up the thing and climbed over and, and the whole time and climbed down the other side. I mean, this is like, you know, six feet up in the air. And I'm sure that the person who posted it got a lot of criticism and judgment. They're like, how can you let your child do that and film them? You know, this is incredibly risky. This kid could fall and hurt himself really badly. And, and the kid doesn't seem to think anything of it, you know. He doesn't care about the risks. He's not even thinking about the risks, right? Um, you can put the next picture up. A, a, few, a couple of years ago, our family went to Virginia for vacation. And, and uh, there's this park there called uh, Natural Chimneys. And there's these rock formations that they stand up in the sky and up, up like 120 feet high, okay? But you can kind of get to the tops. If you go around the back, there's this hill that goes up around the back and you can kind of walk up these trails. And then you kind of have to go around these fences because, you know, they, they don't really want you out on there. <laughs> you have to go around these fences and then go along this ledge and then you kind of have to scale up, the, you know, another like, like seven feet to get up on top here. And uh, so uh, that's Titus and Isaiah up there. We're, um, they really wanted to go climb on there and... And, uh, and as they did this, the entire time, I'm just like, my, my legs are shaking, you know? I'm like, I can't stand it, just watching them do this. And I'm thinking about the worst possible outcome to this, you know? And I'm just worried the whole time. This is, this is too much of a risk. I'm just totally stressing out. The funny thing is, like a little over 20 years ago, uh, Kim and I had, took our picture on top of that thing. <laughs> And I think that's why they wanted to go do it, you know? Like, like 20 years ago, I didn't really worry about the risks as much. You know, when you're younger, you're not worried about the risk. You're not thinking about all the bad things that can happen. As you get older, you, come, you, you become much more risk-averse, don't you? Most of us, most of us try to minimize the risk in our lives, and we do it in all sorts of ways, right? We, we do it with our, with our insurance and with our bank accounts and and uh, with security, you know, in all sorts of different ways, we try to minimize the risk to our lives because as you get older, you, you, I guess just more experience with life, you have more ideas of, of all the different things that could go wrong, right? And you're trying to protect yourself from all of these things. You can take that picture down. Thanks, Joanne. In Genesis 12, we see God's call to Abram, and later he becomes known as Abraham. God changes his name. Um, and, and it's not just a call to Abraham, but I think it's a call to all of God's people, to all of Israel, to all, everyone who would count themselves as Abraham's children, and that includes us, who follow in the footsteps of Abraham, in the faith of Abraham. Um, 
we see God's call to Abraham and all of us to, to basically to be a blessing to the world, right? In uh, verse 3, at the end of verse 3, he says, And you, all families of the earth, shall be blessed. And even in verse 2, at the end of verse 2, he says, So that you will be a blessing. The, the way the Hebrews constructed there is it's not only a promise that you will be a blessing, but it's kind of a command that you must be a blessing. You're to be a blessing. And so God calls Abram to be a blessing. And when, when we hear this word blessing, what we're really talking about, what I think God's talking about here, is what we've been talking about, about being a glimpse of heaven. To be a blessing is to be a glimpse of heaven, to bring God to people in their lives, to bring his presence to them in their lives. So as, as they look at us, that they would, and they interact with us, they would experience the presence and the power and the love of God. And so God calls us to be a blessing, to be a glimpse of heaven for everyone around us. He calls Abram to do that. But this passage seems pretty clear to me. To be a blessing, to experience God's blessing, to be a blessing, to be a glimpse of heaven requires serious risk. It requires serious risk. It requires us to do things that our self-protective instincts would say, no, stop. I'm not going to do that. That's too dangerous. I don't like the, where that's headed. I don't like how that might turn out. To be a blessing requires us to take risks. I mean, that's what Abraham is called to do by God, is to basically live a life of risk. When God says, leave, go, right? And that's what I want to talk about this morning, what is the risk? What are some of the risks that God calls us to live out in our lives that we see in this passage? What are the risks? What's involved in the risk that, that God calls Abraham to live out in order that he would be a blessing, in order that he might be a glimpse of heaven to the world? And so the first thing that I want you to notice is that uh, God requires Abraham to accept the uncomfortable. He, re- he calls Abraham to accept what is uncomfortable The very first thing God says to Abraham is what? He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. He tells Abraham to leave everything that is familiar to him, everything that he knows, everything that he's comfortable with, right? You imagine Abraham is living in Haran with his family and his extended family. He's very comfortable there. And God says, I want you to leave all that behind. I want you to leave your comfort and enter a way of life that might be uncomfortable for you. I want you to leave your comfort. I think that uh, this is actually really radical for us to think about, that this might be something that God calls each and every one of us to do, that he calls us to leave comfort, to leave our comfort and to trust him in order that others might experience a glimpse of heaven, in order that others might experience blessing through us. The, the reason this is so radical is because it's totally countercultural for us. Because I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but this is, this is the truth. In our culture, in, in our world, especially in suburbia here, one of the highest values of people is what? It's comfort. It's living for our comfort. It's, you know, we work really hard so that we can have what? A comfortable life, right? A lot of you guys work really hard so you can have a life that's comfortable. We buy homes that, that are going to be comfortable for us. 
You know, we, 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 we try to carve out, you know, we work really hard, but we try to carve out times so that we can have some comfort in our lives. We can rest and we can relax and we can be comfortable, right? And yet, God says, I'm calling you to leave your comfort and to move towards discomfort. To move towards discomfort. Throughout the Bible, I think there's a correlation between our willingness to be uncomfortable and more importantly, our willingness to leave our comfort behind and our ability to experience God's blessing and, and his blessing through us. Because what, is that, what does that do? When we, one, the reason we love comfort so much is because many of us look to our comfort as the thing that's going to make us happy, the thing that's going to satisfy us, the thing that's going to give us peace. But the reality is God wants us to leave that behind so that we might find out that he is the one who will satisfy us and give us peace. As he calls Abram to leave everything he knows, everything he's familiar with, everything he's comfortable with, it forces Abraham to find out a few chapters later where God says, I am your very great reward. I am enough for you, Abraham. And so I think God calls every single one of us as, as Christians, if we're going to follow Jesus, he calls us to leave our comfort, to think of, to consider ways that we, he, might, we might, he might want us to leave our comfort behind, that we might trust him to be enough for us. And again, I said, this is hard for us because nobody wants to be uncomfortable, right? I would be willing to bet my life on the fact that there's no one in here that would rather be uncomfortable than comfortable. Every single one of us would rather be comfortable if you're given the choice, right? This is one of the reasons Kim and I kind of struggle whenever we go away um, and we have to stay in a hotel. I hate going away and staying somewhere different because I'm always uncomfortable. I hate it. I hate going and staying in a hotel. Like we always try to save money and we stay in a, a hotel that's not as expensive, but then it's just, it's awful because I can't sleep. I'm uncomfortable. The sheets are uncomfortable. The bed's uncomfortable. The temperature's uncomfortable. The smell in the room is uncomfortable. And so there's always this tension when we're like trying to find a hotel. I like, you know, I really, can we spend a little more money to stay in a hotel that might not smell so bad, you know? <laughs> we would rather be comfortable, all of us. But God says, you know, in order to experience my blessing, in order to be a glimpse of heaven, you need to consider that I want you to leave your comfort behind. So what are the ways that we try to, cling to our comfort? What are the ways that maybe we can leave our comfort behind? And I'll give you a few examples, but I challenge you to think about this in your life. How is God calling me to maybe leave my comfort to enter a, an area of life that might be uncomfortable, a way of living that might be uncomfortable? Um, one of the ways that we, we kind of carve out, as I said, we carve out our comfort with our schedule and our time. You know, We guard our time, we protect our time so that we can make sure we have time for ourselves, that we can rest, that we can relax, that we can experience comfort. But I think God's challenging each and every one of us to let go of our schedule, to let go of our time, to consider like letting go of some of our time that we might serve him, serve a ministry that might display him to others. I mean, we have several different ministries in, in our church that, that we, we desperately need people to, to, to let go of their comfort and, and enter into these ministries and serve him and be a glimpse of heaven for him. I mean, the, the benevolence team is, is, is an awesome opportunity um, that we meet people in the midst of their need. And, and that, that is often a place where it's uncomfortable to care for people whose lives are messy. 
And that's one of the things that the benevolence team does is as, as we enter in and, and we try to care for people and help to meet their needs and help to share Jesus with them and be a glimpse of heaven for them. I would encourage you to think about maybe taking your time, because it takes time, it takes an investment of energy, taking your time to invest in something like that. We have other ministries like, the, like youth ministry. What's, for, for a lot of us, maybe what's more uncomfortable than thinking about trying to develop a relationship with a teenager, <laughs> right? Because we just, I mean, it's hard to even like, figure out how I'm going to connect with them. But we need people who are going to let go of their time and really invest in students who are going to show up and be a part of the youth ministry team and come to, to youth group meetings and, and, and really spend time getting to know students and loving them and being a glimpse of heaven for them. It's, it's the same is true for the children's ministry and all, all sorts of other ways that we can be letting go of our schedules and our time that we usually try to cling to so that our lives can be as comfortable as possible so that we can be a glimpse of heaven for other people. Um, another thing that we use to create comfort for ourselves is money, Right? Money is a big thing that we use. Either, either some, for some of us, just having more money makes us feel comfortable. You know, just having a, a bigger number in the bank account makes us feel better, makes us feel more comfortable. But some of us, we use our money to do things to, to experience comfort in our lives, right? Again, I think God is challenging us. And I think that was, that was a great example of how our church was willing to be generous and sacrificial in our giving in order to, to, to make sure that a home could be built for somebody in need. That's a great example but there are all sorts of examples of how we can be letting go of our resources, our money. I mean, I've, I have heard this said, and I would say this, um, you know, as I talk to people about their giving, if you're not giving in such a way that makes you uncomfortable, you're probably not giving enough. Because when we're, you know, just giving what, like, with a little bit, whatever's left over, a little bit on the side, and it's very comfortable for us, we're not having to say, no, God, you're enough for me. Does that make sense? And so money is another big thing. Our, our relationships is another big thing. Nobody likes to, when, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our families, you know, nobody likes uncomfortable moments in relationships, right? We like our relationships to be as comfortable as possible. And so that's why sometimes families get together. I hear that families get together on Thanksgiving and we make this unspoken agreement not to talk about controversial subjects, right? We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion. We don't talk about things that are going to make people uncomfortable, Right? We want everybody as comfortable as possible as we interact with one another. But the reality is, is, is in, in your relationships with your family members or your friends, the people, your, your neighbors, that God is calling you to maybe think about being a little more open with who you are, with your relationship with God, with who he is, and what he wants to do to love them. That, that very well make your relationship uncomfortable, Right? But God says, I want you to leave comfort. I want you to get in the habit of, of moving away from comfort towards being uncomfortable because that is where you can become a glimpse of heaven, that people will see through you, me, my power, my presence. Another thing that God requires of Abram besides accepting the uncomfortable is to embrace the uncontrollable. So not only does he tell him to go from his country and his kindred and his father's house, but he says what? Go to the land that I will show you. In verse 1. Okay, I want you to leave everything that's comfortable, and now I want you to just go. Go to this place that you have no idea. You don't even know where you're going to go. I'm going to show you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give you a, a little road map. I'm not going to give you a brochure of what it's going to look like when you get there. 
you're just going to have to go out into the unknown. Into, and, and for that, I mean, for Abram and his family to do that, that had to be scary, right? He, he's taking a step into the unknown, into, into being completely out of control. And again, I, I, I talk about this, I think, somewhat frequently, about this idea of control. So many of us, because so many of us struggle with it, we all long to be in as much control as we possibly can in our lives, right? We want to have all of the answers figured out. We want to manipulate things so, so that everything goes just the way that we want it to. To walk out somewhere with a blindfold on is terrifying. We like to be in control. One of the most terrifying things in the world, and I will argue with anybody, I haven't, I haven't you know, jumped out of a plane, I haven't bungee jumped, I haven't done like a forward rappel down a 500-foot cliff or anything like that, but I would argue with anybody, one of the most terrifying things in the world is to get into the passenger seat of a car with a teenager <laughs> one of the first few times they, they start learning to drive. It's funny, but it's not funny, okay? It's, it's scary. It's terrifying, right? Uh, for those of you who've experienced it, because you don't have control, and here they go, just barreling down the road, you know, like pushing the speed limit. You're like getting close to stuff on the side. They're not braking as soon as you would. And it's terrifying because you do not have control. This other person has control of this giant machine that could kill you both. And you just have to trust them. You just have to trust them, right? And again, this is, I think, when God invites, uh, tells Abram to go into the unknown, to let go of control. He's saying, Abram, you're going to have to trust me. I know it's scary, I know it might be terrifying, but you have to trust me. So God doesn't just tell Abram to leave his comfort. He tells him to go to the land that he will show him, to be in control of his agenda. And Abram, Abram had a choice. He had a choice. He could have stayed and, and stayed in control of his life, or he, he could go and embrace a life that was out of his control, right? Right? It's risky to live this way because we don't have control of how everything's going to turn out. It's risky to let go of control and say, God, I'm going to let you control everything. It's, it's risky to, to let go of my agenda for my day and say, God, maybe you want to do something that I'm not even thinking about. As he brings things into our lives that are unexpected, that show us that we're not in control, God invites us to embrace those moments and to trust him in the midst of them, right? And a big part of this whole idea of control and letting God control is, is, is getting into his word, knowing the Bible and, and, and saying, God, I'm going to let what you say in here control how I live rather than what I think, what I want, even if I might disagree with it, even if I might struggle with it. I'm going to let you dictate how I live in my relationships and how I love people, and how I forgive people, and show them grace when they make me angry. God calls us, he calls Abram, he calls us. In order to be a glimpse of heaven, he calls us to let go, and to trust him to lead us. Lastly, God requires that Abram believe the unbelievable. God tells Abram, what to do, to leave and to go. But the biggest thing, I think, maybe the biggest thing, maybe it's just a different category, I don't know, that he asks of Abram is to listen and believe something that is beyond belief. 
You know, it's one thing to let go of my comfort. It's one thing to let go of my control. But it's another thing to believe something that's so incredibly good that if this doesn't turn out the way that he's saying it's going to turn out in my life, it's going to be such a huge disappointment. To believe that when, when God, God makes this promise in verse 2, he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is an incredible promise. An incredible promise. Even just beginning with the very first thing he says, I will make you into a great nation. Later in verse 4, we find out that he leaves. And how old is he? He's 75. And he hasn't been able to have children yet. So it's not looking promising. Right? And yet God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That's beyond anything Abram could wrap his mind around, and it's incredibly good, right? And God's calling him to believe this. Believe that God is going to be this good to him. Believe that God is going to be this committed to him. Believe that God is going to pour out his blessing upon him. This may be a bigger struggle for a lot of us than anything else. The, the, to let go and to sacrifice is, is, is risky. But to actually believe that God is so good and wants so much blessing for us that it's beyond what we can even fathom, that's risky. Because what if I'm disappointed? What if I'm disappointed? And this is why it's so much easier for me to be cynical as I live my life. I'll be honest with you. It's easier for me to be cynical. It's easier for me to expect the worst it's easier for me to doubt that God can and will do what he has promised in my life than to bank on it, than to count on it and believe it and respond to it. As I follow God, I think the most crucial thing that he asks of me is to believe what is impossible to believe, to believe that, that he does love me and that he's going to provide for my every need, and that he's going to pour out his blessing upon me. It's so impossible sometimes to believe that when I look at my life, and I look at what he asks of me, what he wants from me, to, to move away from my comfort, and to let go of control, because my life is spent, most of my life is spent trying to cling to those things. And I don't deserve him to love me. I don't deserve for him to love me because I would rather have my comfort than have him so much of the time. And so it's so hard for me to believe that he really does love me, that he really is on my side 110%, that he really does want to work everything out in my life for my good. It's hard for me to believe. All that stuff is impossible for me to believe, and yet God calls me to believe what is impossible. And the good news is that God has done something to say, you can count on me. I am faithful. I will fulfill what I promised. I am going to do exactly what I said. What he's done is he's come into our world. And he's done all that he asks of us to do. He's come into our world in the form of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, you realize as Jesus lived his life, what did he do? He let go of his comfort in order to become incredibly uncomfortable. 
to live life as one of us. He let go of control. You know, he, as, as men came to arrest him and then to beat him and then to nail him to a cross, he didn't have to allow him to do that. And yet he did. He allowed himself to be hung on a cross for us to pay for our failures, to pay for our sin, to pay for the ways that we fail. The beautiful thing about this passage is that in one sense, you see in this passage God saying, this is how I want you to interact with me, Abram. I want you to trust me. I want you to let go of your comfort. I want you to let go of control. But there's an equally important part of this passage where God is just saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And you know what? God does this. He does this in spite of Abram's failures. Abram looks really good here because in verse 4 it says, yeah, he went just as the Lord had told him. But as you continue reading in in Genesis, you see Abram continuing to fail, continuing to fail to even believe that God's going to do what he he said he would do. And he makes a mess in a bunch of different ways. And yet God continues to follow through with his plan. He continues to follow through his plan. And you see that through the rest of the Old Testament, the rest of the Bible, that people are continually failing and yet God continues to be faithful to his promise here, to his promise that he's going to bless all of the world through this man's family. And as I said, it's through this man's family that a child is born, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this promise. And it's in Christ that we... um, that we are reminded that God can do what is impossible for us to believe and that he is good and that he is on our side if we will trust in him and receive him and believe in him. As we come to believe what is unbelievable, it actually moves us to start letting go of control. It actually moves us to start moving away from our comfort because we know that God has done what is unbelievable, that he has sent his son to show us that we are forgiven and that we are loved and that he delights in us, that we are his beloved children. It's in Jesus that we know that God is our reward, that he will satisfy us, that he will take care of us. And so as we think about becoming a glimpse of heaven and taking risks in our lives, what he calls us first and foremost to do is to cling to what he has done in Christ. To make what is unbelievable possible to reconcile us to himself, to to provide forgiveness and peace and life and freedom for us. And as we hold on to him, as we rest in Christ, as we experience his amazing grace through Jesus, it will move us to become people who risk, who aren't afraid, like that little kid who just like climbs right over that thing, who aren't afraid to take risks for him and for his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us this morning to believe the unbelievable, that you sent your son, that you came into our world to live and to die for us, that we might experience your presence and your power, that others might experience your presence and power through us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an opportunity to meet Jesus at the Lord's table.